Numbers chapter 13. Uh, thank you, Ashley, by the way, for that that song. I, I love that song. Um, in fact, uh, that song inadvertently goes along with the message this morning. And, uh, you know, why do we come to church? To worship God? Okay, to learn about Him? Uh, unfortunately, many people come to church for many wrong reasons. Um, I, I know people that come to church so they can be told how to live and how to act. And that's not what church is for. I know people that come to church to be entertained. And that, that's not what we're here for. And last week, we, I, 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 I was very convinced in my heart that last week we started, we, we talked about choices that we make. And this, this morning we're going to follow that same narrative, so to speak. I, I kind of shared with you last week, we're going to be talking about Caleb this morning. Caleb was another man who learned how to make very wise choices. And one of the things I believe, one of the motivations I have as a pastor is to help us, and, and I, I'm included in this because I, I, don't, I, I don't make good choices all the time, okay? And one of the things that we need as believers is to learn how to make good and right choices, so last week and this week, that's what we're going to be spending our time on. If you keep notes, the, the, this morning's message is entitled, Caleb, uh, Narrowing Down the Choices. And I, I'm, I'm out of sync back there, Chris. I, I know I jumped the gun on you. Um, but uh, Caleb, Narrowing Down the Choices. And Caleb was another man. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. But <clears throat> choices are something that we all make. In fact, I don't know who did it. Someone calculated how many choices you make every day. Yeah, that was a bad choice. <laughs> um, according to whoever did this study, we make, we make uh, uh, up to 5,000 decisions a day. Now, me personally, I think it's more than that. Uh, because you, you have two types of choices. You have voluntary choices and then you have involuntary choices. And <clears throat> we make a lot of involuntary choices, do we not? Just total reactions. Things that we don't even think about. We just, we just make choices. And then we make decisions. We, we, we think through things and at least we hope that we think through things. And and, and I can say this, almost every time I get in trouble for saying or doing something stupid, it's almost always because I didn't think it through. How many of you are guilty of that one? Okay. <laughs> now, I want to give you a hint. Something I learned the hard way. 
it's easier to make decisions if you have fewer decisions to make. Does that make sense? Let, let me illustrate to you this way. Many of you know that before I was a pastor, back another life ago, it seems now, uh, I was a building contractor. And back when everybody's kitchen had Formica, you all know what Formica is now? Okay, people today don't know what Formica is. Everybody wants stone or something like that. But anyway, back then, everybody had Formica, except the extremely rich people. So <clears throat> I made the mistake of when I first started doing remodeling kitchens and things, I would bring in like two or 300 samples of different colors. And, and people would, okay? It was, it was disastrous. It would take weeks for them to choose a color. Then I, I got smart. I got to the point where I would ask the customer, hey, what color scheme are you looking for? And they would say blue, green, purple, whatever. And then I would go to those samples and I'd pull out two or three, maybe four. And then I'd walk in and say, okay, which one do you want? And then they would, they would go, they'd look at them, oh, I want that one. <laughs> but if you give somebody two or three hundred samples and say, here, pick one, they just freak out. I worked for a big development firm one time for a few, about a year and a half <clears throat> before I went to college. I, I closed down my construction business. I worked for this big development firm for a couple years. I was building super expensive homes. I mean, crazy expensive homes. You know how many color options they had for interior paint? Two. They learned. You can have this one or this one. People were, nobody ever complained. So the fewer, the fewer decisions we have, the easier it is to decide. <clears throat> and so having said all that, <clears throat> another problem that comes along with too many decisions is you start to second guess. If you, if you have 300 choices of countertop and you finally pick one and then you get six months down the road and you think, man, I, I think I got the wrong one, it, you know. But we do that in life. And we start to second guess and we start to question whether or not God was in a certain decision. Now, now let me let me help you here in a very th th this morning's message. I hope you walk away thinking, "Wow, that was really practical." Because that that is my intent this morning. Let, let me help you with something. If it if you are going to be making a major purchase of some sort, a car, or a house, or whatever. And you go and you pray and you say, God, I need wisdom on what to do here. You fill in the blank. If you pray and ask God to do that, the assumption is, at least my assumption is, that whatever decision I make is going to be the right one because I asked for wisdom. 
right? If you move forward with the purchase of whatever it is that you prayed about, never question your decision. I deal with people all the time that live in the what if part of life. What if I hadn't done this? What if I hadn't done this? If I had only done it this way instead of that way. Well, if we pray about it and God answers that prayer, don't look back. Because Satan will eat you alive with the what if. So be decisive in your decisions. Don't allow the indecisiveness to take take root in your life. Last week we we talked about a guy named Joshua and 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 we we actually started in Genesis chapter chapter one and we I kind of gave you a a a very quick synopsis if you would from Genesis chapter one to the book of Joshua. <clears throat> Ending with Joshua giving the people a challenge to choose between serving God or serving God's plural. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, it says, uh, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which are on the other side, of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in which land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Basically what Joshua is doing is make a choice. Either serve God or serve gods, plural. Or, as we talked about last week, either serve God or serve yourself. But make a choice. Do something. This morning, we're going to talk about Caleb. Caleb was a good friend of Joshua. When the children of Israel uh, had left Egypt, they witnessed many, many miracles along the way. They saw the plagues in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They had uh, the pillar of fire by night and the and the cloud by day to keep them safe. They saw water come from a rock. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And the list could go on and on and on. Over and over and over, they saw the hand of God in their lives. And yet, when they get to the edge of the Promised Land, Things don't go the way they are supposed to. Numbers chapter 13. Did I tell you to turn to Numbers 13? Okay, good. Okay. Numbers chapter 13. Let's start reading in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that thou thou mayest search the land of Canaan, which I uh, give unto the children of Israel. For every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man everyone a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, uh, sent them from the wilderness uh, to Paran 
all those men were uh, heads of the children of Israel. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you uh, for this time together. Thank you for your love. And Lord, as we uh, talk about this, this, this subject of choices again this morning, I ask that you would give us wisdom to make good and right choices. We are truly thankful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The 12 spies were sent into the wilderness. Now, these 12 men were leaders in in each tribe of of the children of Israel. So they, they they were influential men. These were not just 12 random guys. These were 12 men who were leaders within their tribes. So the first point this morning, and it's going to be really quick, uh, is God's instructions. When God uh, told Moses, the, 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 the instructions were really clear. They're, they're, they weren't vague. They were just super clear. Look at verse 17. Uh, and Moses sent them uh, to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, give you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land what is and the people that dwell whether they be strong or weak few or many and the land is uh, that they uh, dwell in whether it be good or bad and what cities uh, they be uh, that they dwell in whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring uh, of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the uh, first stripe uh, grapes. Now, so... Very clearly, Moses tells them to go gather information. It, this was a, a, a information gathering trip. That, that's all it was. He did not ask them to render an opinion. He asked them to gather information. Point number two. Let's look at their report. The spies were gone for 40 days. They looked over everything. They did did what Moses said to do. And finally, they come back to Moses in in verse 26. And they went and came, and Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel into the wilderness of Paran uh, to Kadesh and brought back word unto them, and all of uh, and all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told uh, him and said, "We came into the land, whether thou send us, sentest us, and surely uh, it, it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities." Are, are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the, uh, 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 ooh, excuse me, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, 
and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the uh, Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So here is the report <clears throat> that they bring. And the spies report basically is pretty simple. The land is flowing with milk and honey. The cities are large and walled. But the people are great. Doubt. They started to sow the seeds of doubt. Now, I want to stop here because I told you at the beginning, this this message, my desire is to make it very, very practical. The whole problem here is in our lives, what does God ultimately want us to do? Fight our battles or trust in Him? Trust in Him. And you start to see a trend here with the report of the of the spies. You start to see a trend here of the ten spies. Look at verse 31 of, of, our, of our passage here. But the men went up with him, said, uh, Be not able, uh, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are strong, stronger than we. <clears throat> and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have uh, gone to search it is a a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Now now let me ask you a question. Is Is that a true statement? Okay. All, the word all, (laughs) <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Now, were many of them of great stature? Probably. But were all of them? Probably not. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which uh, come of the giants. And we were in our sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. The advice of the ten was, hey, we need to forget this. There's no way in the world we can accomplish the conquering of this land. But go back to verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb and Joshua were the only two that gave a good report. The other ten, or the majority, gave the bad report. Now, I want to, again, I want to give you something very practical here. Caleb 
it says in verse 30, it said, And Caleb stilled the people. But the ten, in verse 30, 31, 32, what did the other ten do? They stirred up the people. A true leader will always bring calm, not chaos. And Caleb was a true leader. Caleb stilled the people where the other ten brought chaos and stirred them up. Point number three this morning. Two choices. Two choices. You have the choice of believing the the majority or you have the choice of believing the minority. The ten. Look at chapter 14, verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation uh, said unto them, Would God that we would have uh, we would had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore thou, excuse me, wherefore has has the Lord brought us in, uh, unto this land uh, to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? Where is not uh, were it not better? Uh, for us to return to Egypt. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. This is an amazing thing. What had they spent the last probably year to two years exiting Egypt and seeing the miracles and seeing the crossing of the Red Sea and all of the things that God had done and yet they had forgotten it all. And they were willing to go back into bondage because of the chaos that the ten spies had brought. But look at verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of uh, Jephum, uh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the children excuse me, all of the company of the children of Israel, saying, The Lord which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then we will bring, excuse me, then He will bring us <clears throat> into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. What is the difference here? At the beginning, I told you that the, 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 the best way to make a choice is to narrow down your choices. Try to narrow down the, the clutter of this world. And every time I read this passage, I think of me. Okay, again, I'm, I'm just being practical. I think of me. Because if you know anything about the children of Israel, the children of Israel <clears throat> made some really bad choices. 
but they also made good choices. They, they kind of cycled, if you would. We do the same thing, do we not? I would, I would love to meet someone someday who has never made a bad choice. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> it's impossible. But how do we learn to make good choices? Because making bad choices is pretty easy. But how do we make good choices? The children of Israel did like most of us in making this choice to go back into bondage. They they looked at their circumstances. They saw the walled cities. They saw the giants, then they 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 saw the sheer number of people and the and the and the and the different cultures and all of the things. They looked at the circumstances of life. And then they looked around themselves and they saw the small number that represented the nation of Israel at the time in comparison to the, to the people that lived in the land. They looked around and they saw farmers and sheep herders they saw construction workers. They did not see an army. They forgot what it was like in bondage in Egypt. They, they failed to remember what the persecution that they went through and the, and the death rate of the, of the people. They also forgot about all the miracles that God did along the way. The plagues of Egypt, parting the Red Sea, and and so on and so forth. And the reality is this, we do the same thing. We We look at our circumstances, our finances, problems at work, people and family problems, Sometimes it's medical issues. Sometimes it it could be a number of different scenarios. But we look at all of the circumstances around our lives. Then we look at our bank account and think, that ain't happening. We look at the few real friends that we have. And we think, boy, I'm outnumbered. I'm not equipped to handle this. And we forget about the grace of God in our lives. We forget that He is the God that has saved our souls, who has done miraculous things in our lives. And when we've, we've, we overlook the fact that we have godly people in our lives that we can turn to in times of need. Last week we talked about putting up memorials in our lives to remind us of the things that God has done in our lives. And so often, and I talked about it last week, if we don't do that, we will forget the goodness and the mercy of God in our lives. 
Caleb comes and does something really important. And he, he simplifies the choice. Just like Joshua will do uh, later. And we talked about Joshua last week. But Caleb does the same thing. He cuts through all of the, the, the circumstances and he boils it down to two choices. In verse, <clears throat> verses 8 and 9 of chapter 14. <clears throat> if the Lord delight in us, then we will bring us, <clears throat> excuse me, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us and the a land which floweth with milk and honey. The first choice is that we will either serve God. The second choice is in verse 9. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither uh, fear ye the people of the land, for they are uh, bred for us. Their defense is uh, departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Either we are going to fear fear God and serve God, or we're going to fear circumstances and serve ourselves. It's really that simple. Caleb and Joshua are able to take the incredible pressures of life and boil them down to two simple choices. Either we're going to serve God, or we're going to serve ourselves. Now, I want to point out something else about Caleb. And and this is important because Caleb does not whitewash the situation. He does not stand up in front of the people and say, oh, these these 10 guys are a bunch of liars. There's no giants there. They're just basketball players. (laughs) Overpaid mama's boys. I don't understand how you can get paid millions of dollars to take a little round ball and stick it in a hoop. I don't understand it. <clears throat> he doesn't do that. He doesn't whitewash it. He says, hey, look, the cities are great, but our God is greater. The people are great, but our God is greater. And our circumstances of life can become overwhelming. We can be, we sang it in the, in the, in the song this morning. Uh, what was that, Anchored? Uh, what's the name of that song? Christ uh, Assurance Steady Anchor. The, the, over, the, the flooding, uh, it talked about the flooding situations in our life can become overwhelming. We've all been there. But we have to cut through all the circumstances and get down to the, to the simple truth. Either I'm going to serve God or I'm going to serve myself. Simplifying the choices. Question. What was God trying to teach the children of Israel? To trust in faith. To have faith. Now let me ask you. What is God trying to teach you? The exact same thing. The exact same thing. The only difference is the circumstances are different. 
God wanted to teach the children of Israel to trust him. That's why he sent, he wanted the spies to go out and bring back a true report, which they did, but they added to it. Because God wanted to, them to trust. Like Caleb said, hey, these things are there, but my God is greater than those things. And I don't know the circumstances of everybody in this room tonight, uh, this morning, excuse me. I, I don't know the circumstances that, that, that you are being flooded with. But I know this, my God is greater than your circumstance. And my God wants you to trust him. Because of the unbelief of the children of Israel, God would cause them to wander in the wilderness for an additional 40 years. And everyone who is 20 years old and older would die in the wilderness. For time's sake, we're going to pass these verses, but there's verses 29 and 30. God, God basically says, look, if you're 20 years or older, you'll never see the promised land, with the exception of two men, Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they trusted God. They trusted God. Joshua would go on to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. He would take over. We talked about this last week. He would take over for Moses, and he would, he would be the, 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 the leader that God would use to, to conquer the land. And Caleb would be, go on to be a great warrior. And, and if you've, you've never read the account, you need to. Joshua or or, excuse me, Caleb stands before Joshua and he says, I want that mountain. And there was a mountain, I don't know where, but anyway, and he stands before Joshua and says, I want that, God promised me, and I want that mountain. And as an old man, because he was considered old at, at that point, as an old man, he took and conquered a mountain. In Joshua chapter 14, verses 12 to 14, And now, therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou hast, uh, 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 for, for thou hearted, hurt, excuse me, for thou heardest uh, in the day how the Anakites were there, and the cities were great and fenced. If so, be the Lord be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said, and Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of uh, Jephna, uh, uh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Jacob, or excuse me, Caleb, uh, the son of Jephna, uh, the, the Kenzanite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Why? Even to the day he died, Caleb was faithful in trusting God. 
then that's what God wants for us. God wants us to learn how to trust him. Why do, why, why do things come into our lives? I, I can't answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I, I don't know, but I know this, that God will oftentimes bring circumstances and trials into our lives to grow our faith. Not to give us more faith. We have all the faith we need. He gave it to us at, when we were saved but to strengthen our faith and to grow it so that when bad situations happen, we have the faith to trust him more. I was talking to someone the other day and trying to understand why certain things happen in their lives. And and, and and to be perfectly honest, I, I didn't have an answer for him. I, I, I don't know why. But I do know the results. And there are times that we will go through things in our lives and we will not see it for sometimes for, for many, many years. But I can promise you there's a reason. We don't know the reason sometimes. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. There are times that we can become absolutely overwhelmed. Absolutely overwhelmed with the circumstances of life. The children of Israel were at a point in their lives and <clears throat> when God had brought them to the brink of the promised land and they had become overwhelmed with fear. And instead of trusting God, they pulled back. And they were willing to go back into captivity and to be slaves again. Because they feared men instead of trusting God. And so often, I can only speak for myself, but so often I do the exact same thing. I allow the circumstances of life to control who I am, what I believe, and what I do. When in reality, all God wants you to do is trust Him. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Until we get into circumstances. Until we get into that situation. Well, let me tell you this. I said it at the beginning. Let me tell you this. Once you make your choice, trust God. Don't second guess. Don't second guess. We must learn to cut through the haze of fear and confusion and learn to trust. The choices are simple. We're either going to serve God or we're going to serve ourselves. 
In verse 8, it says, If the Lord delight in us, then He, He will bring us into this land and give it to and give it us. And the land which floweth with milk and honey. It's up to God. I want to go back and <clears throat> let me see if I can find it here. I just I should have I should have had it in my notes, but I wanna I wanna close with Joshua's challenge to the to the nation of Israel. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose. Make that choice. Either I'm going to serve God or I'm going to serve myself. But but make a choice. Don't sit on the fence. Whether the gods which your father served that are on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in uh, whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua makes it very clear. Hey, I've made the choice. Now you choose. And if you continue to read, and I should have added it in here, if you continue to read in verse 16 and following, the children of Israel decide, you know what, we're going to serve God. They made the choice. I want, to, I want to challenge you this morning. Make a choice. What are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to sit on the fence and play the game or are you going to serve God? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, Lord we, <clears throat> we are all needy people. Lord, we need you in our lives. And Lord, you do miraculous things in our lives over and over and over. I, we could sit here for days with testimonies of incredible things that you've done in our lives. But yet when the circumstances of life change, we often forget. Again, I don't know the circumstances, the trials that are going on in the people, people's lives this morning. I, I have no idea what many of them are. But I know this. You want us to trust you through them. And Lord, as we close our service, I ask that you would help us to choose to serve you. To never turn back but to serve you going forward. With every head